Let us turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is, you, you can find it also printed in your bulletins. We are continuing with our study on this chapter, first chapter of Luke, in anticipation of uh, celebrating Christmas together and remembering the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we are reading today Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. This is the word of God. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the same, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Month, the Song of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let us pray together. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that as we read these words, you have given us the Holy Spirit to have faith, to understand, and to trust what we read here as coming from you. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came to this world to fulfill the promise that you gave, God our Father gave to his people, and that you have included us in this wonderful plan of salvation. We thank you that as we read these words, you remind us of the faith in which we stand. And we pray, Lord, that you will give us understanding of them that you will help us, Lord, to grow in our faith, that you will help us to meditate on the message that you have for us in this afternoon. In Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. We're continuing today on our little study from the first chapter of Luke. Uh, our goal is, in these three weeks, last week, today, and next week, 
to go through Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 55. And last week, we went from verse 5 to 25. And today, we're looking here, verses 26 through 38. And these two passages, the passage that we started started together last week and today had a lot in common. First of all, we have an angel, Gabriel, coming first to Zechariah. And now here in our test, the angel is coming to Mary. And when the angel appeared to both of them, Zechariah and Mary, they were both frightened. Now, there is a big difference between Zechariah and Mary. Zechariah was a priest and he was an old man. Mary was just a teenager. So you can see how they would have approached a moment like this. Especially Zechariah is going into the temple. I'm not saying that Zechariah would have expected to see an angel at the temple, but at least he was doing something that was in order to praise God, and it would be more understandable for him that, that an angel would appear to him. But Mary was just a teenager who is encountering this very challenging No vision, but an angel. Gabriel is in front of both of them. Now, they both receive a message. They both receive a prophecy. And the prophecy is almost not the same, but very similar. They, Zechariah and Elizabeth, will bear a son. And Elizabeth was bearing. And Zechariah was all the same as Elizabeth. And they will bear a son. And the name of the son will be John. And Mary will bear also a son. And the difference between Mary and Elizabeth is that Mary will be or is a virgin when she receives this prophecy. Therefore, you are seeing there, just in front of us, we see two great miracles. One is that a barren woman is bearing a son at her old age. But we have something that is greater here is a virgin woman is bearing also a son who is the son of God. Now, they both heard from the angel what was the mission of John and what was the mission of Jesus. And both missions had a lot to do with each other. John came as a herald. He came as the one who is preparing the way for Jesus. And Jesus is the savior. He's coming to save his people. There is also a response from both of them, from Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah responded in unbelief. And we know that because he asked for a sign from the angel. How shall I know that this is going to happen? But Elizabeth didn't respond with unbelief, even though his words were similar. I'm sorry, Mary. Mary was trying to understand how would this happen to her since she was a virgin. And we know that She didn't respond to the angel in unbelief also because the angel did not rebuke her or exhort her for her response. And at the end, uh, one thing that both test passages have in common is that at the last verse of uh, the first section, verse 25, you have Elizabeth saying these words of exaltation to God. Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. And in today's text, we have Mary saying, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. 
Now today, for today, what I would like us to do as we go through these verses is to answer one question. But don't think that the message has only one point. It's a one question that we're going to ask to seven characters. So in a sense, we can say that the message has seven points. It's one question that we asked to look about seven characters that he described in these verses. He is narrating an event, but there is so much that he's saying about these seven characters, Gabriel, Mary, Joseph, Elizabeth, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we learned a lot about God, his plan, his mission, and his salvation for us. So the question is, what did Luke say about Gabriel, first of all? What did Luke say about Gabriel? The first thing that we know about Gabriel is that Gabriel is an angel. And it's an angel that appears also in the Old Testament, in the book of Daniel. Gabriel is sent from God with a specific mission. He goes first to talk to Zechariah, and then he goes six months after that to speak to Mary. Gabriel is faithful to the mission that God gave to him. And Gabriel has this great privilege. Think about this. He was the one who broke silence, 400 years of silence. The people of Israel not hearing the voice of God through prophets. Gabriel is breaking this silence to God's people. We'll know or we'll say that John is the last prophet of the Old Testament. That's true. But Gabriel is the first one who speaks to Zechariah and Mary on behalf of God. So Gabriel fulfills his mission. What did he say? What did Luke says about Gabriel? Gabriel is the messenger of God, bringing a message to Zechariah and to Mary. Now, what did Luke says about Mary? About Mary. First of all, that she was a virgin. And think for a moment. We just get used to this because we have heard the story of Christmas many times. But that's a very personal thing to say about a person, right? That she was a virgin. You will not be publicly saying this about another person, probably. But the reason why this is said is because this plays an important role in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's because God is doing this through a miracle that he has chosen a virgin. But also because God is going to be the father of Jesus. He is the father of Jesus. Jesus doesn't have a biological father. Therefore, he has chosen a virgin. Now we know also uh, through the test that she was betrothed to Joseph, that she was engaged. And that engagement was something stronger than what we understand for engagement these days. It was almost a marriage. It would last for about a year. Uh, Sometimes the couple would live in the same house, but they would not have intercourse. But they were almost, you could say, they were almost married. If they were to separate, that would be considered a divorce. And if one person of the two members of the engagement will uh, 
break the vows by being unfaithful, that will be a cause for a divorce and a shame on that person. That, again, is very important because that explains the kind of circumstances in which Mary was when she received the news from the angel. She was a virgin who was engaged to Joseph. Now, we also learned that she was a favored one, all favored one, and also that she has found favor with God. These two words come from the Greek word charis, which is grace. Sometimes, uh, uh, in some circles, Catholic circles, they talk about Mary being full of grace, as Mary being one who transmits grace to others. And that's not the case. Because what the test is telling us is that the reason why God chose Mary was pure grace. It is not because Mary was perfect, sinless, she was all she has seen as any other human being will have, but God had grace on her. And yes, she is favored one. It's a very special mission that she is receiving. She is receiving the mission of bearing the Son of God. Also, we learned from the test that the Lord was with her, that the Lord was with her. And when the angel says these words to Mary... Greetings, all favored one. The Lord is with you. He's saying these words because Mary really needs to hear those words. Again, think about this. A teenager, possibly 12 to 13 years old, receiving this great mission and responsibility of bearing the Son of God. But at the same time, in the context of being virgin and engaged, to Joseph. She really needed to know that God was with her to protect her. And God was with her throughout all the pregnancy until Jesus was delivered and continued to be with her in a very special way. Also, we know that Mary was troubled at Gabriel's visit. And I already said that. Think about that. Mary, a teenager, in the presence of an angel. How will have a teenager today responded to a situation like this? Even Gabriel was troubled by, I mean, sorry, Zechariah was too many names. Zechariah was troubled by Gabriel's presence. Also, we know that she will conceive and bear a son and that she will call his name Jesus that she received that message, that she received that mission, that she will be pregnant and she will bear a son. Also, we learned from the test that she wondered how this would be possible since she was a virgin. And again, going back to comparing Zechariah with Mary's response, what we see is that she was basically trying to understand how would that happen to her. She have no have uh, sexual relations with anybody, less her betrothed uh, man who was Joseph. Therefore, she, she wondered, and she asked that question, a sincere question to the angel. And the last thing, 
that we see there and which is a wonderful example for all Christians of all times is her response. Is that she said that she was a servant of the Lord and she was ready to do according to the will of God. Now think about this. How much do you think Mary was able to understand of all what Gabriel told her at that moment? We ourselves, even at this time, we go through all these lines trying to understand each one of them. We're going to go through them as we talk about what he said about Jesus. It's very uh, profound. It's very complicated. Yet, she was ready, even with her lack of understanding, to to say to the angel, she is God's servant. She recognized in humility that she was just a servant of God and that she was ready to do God's will. Despise what that meant for her, which was to face a lot of troubles in life. Third, what did Luke say about Joseph? Well, first of all, that he was engaged with Mary. That he was engaged with Mary. But also he said something important about Joseph because he has repercussions in Jesus Christ. Is that Joseph was of the house of David. So legally, Jesus will be an heir to the throne of David because Joseph was the father, adopted father of Jesus. And therefore, Jesus was in the line of the throne of David. Fourth, what did Luke say about Elizabeth? But before answering this question, I will ask this question. Why did he talk about Elizabeth to Mary? Think about this. You're reading here uh, in verse 35 uh, that he says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy Son of God. And behold, there is this information that I have to tell you as well. Gabriel is telling Mary, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son and that you know that she's barren. So this let us know that Mary didn't even know that her relative Elizabeth was pregnant until this point, six months. And you remember that Elizabeth stayed hiding for about five months until she started to come out. But why did the angel need to say this to Mary? He needed to say this to Mary because it was important to strengthen Mary's faith in the face of what she would have to face when she would be pregnant of our Lord Jesus Christ. But what do we know about Elizabeth? Elizabeth was barren, and she has also received a great mission to bear John the Baptist. Remember, Jesus himself said that there has no be other, other man born of a woman greater than John. She had that great mission to bear John the Baptist and also to... Uh, received that blessing from God that after many, many years of being barren, 
she finally have conceived a son. For what she and Zechariah pray for years. Now we have talked about uh, human beings, uh, Mary, Joseph, and Elizabeth. We have talked about angels or an angel, Gabriel. Then we move to talk about God. There is a lot that God himself revealed about himself as a triune God in these verses. First of all, what did Luke says about the Father, God the Father? Well, first of all, we know that God sent Gabriel, right? In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. God was active in the plan of redemption. And he's the one who sent Gabriel. He's the one who sent the Son. And God the Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. So he is active in making sure that his plan of redemption happens according to his plan. Also, we learned from the test that the Lord will be with Mary. That God the Father was with Mary. That he was there to oversee Mary's pregnancy and also to help her in this big challenge that she had in front of her. We also know that the Lord, God, will give Jesus the throne of David. And that speaks to us about the economy of God, the Father, who is giving that authority to our Lord Jesus Christ, that he will be the king, the heir of the throne of David. We have also learned this, if those who have been here, uh, from our study from the book of John, that God the Father gave this authority to the Son. We also learned that God has a Son. God has a Son. He said, will be great. He will be great. He will be called Son of the Most High. And you know why is that very important, especially at that particular moment? Because God is revealing something that it was unknown to people at that time. Know that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are not present in the Old Testament. They are present in the Old Testament, but people didn't understand at that time that God the Father has a Son, and that Son was Jesus Christ, and that Son was the Savior that was coming to fulfill the promise that God had given to his people. We also learned this uh, Wonderful words that the angel says to Mary about Elizabeth to encourage her in a difficult time that I think are very important for Christians of all ages. That there is nothing impossible or for nothing will be impossible for God. And we have to uh, be clear that that doesn't mean that God can do Anything, Because, for example, God cannot sin because he's holy. But God can do anything that is according to his nature, according to his holiness. And that is of great assurance for us today when we look at many challenges in life and we realize that there are a lot of things that are impossible for us. That sometimes we go to the doctor and we find that there are some things that are impossible for the doctor's. Or we, we deal with things in life 
when we realize that things are impossible for us. But there is nothing impossible for God. And remember, God was saying this to Mary in the context of Mary facing a huge challenge. She needed to hear those words. Maybe you need to hear those words today, that there is nothing impossible for God, whatever is your situation. Now let's move on to talk about what Luke says about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come upon her. Luke verse 35, and the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Why is the angel saying those words to Mary? The angel is saying those words to Mary in order to respond to her question. How will this be since I am a virgin? How will I be pregnant of Jesus since I am a virgin? And the way is through the power of the Holy Spirit that will come upon her and will plant Jesus in her womb. There is something very uh, amazing when you, when you look at con- conception and how babies are not created but happen as a result of the union of two human beings, a man and a woman. But there are mysteries for all the doctors when we talk about the soul and the spirit. They do not understand. In fact, many won't even believe that there is such a thing as a soul or a spirit, but it's just electric impulse in the brain and everything is mechanical. But the reality is that when two uh, people, a man and a woman, come together in marriage and they have a baby, something extraordinary happened that another soul comes as a result of that. Now, greater is the mystery that remains for us about how the Holy Spirit plants God the Son in Mary's womb. But we know that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this point forward to how the Holy Spirit plants faith in every Christian. How the Spirit plants new life or creates new life in every person that trusts in Jesus. Because if you have trusted in Jesus or if you are here and you will be to trust in Jesus, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that comes upon you and creates new life in you as he the Holy Spirit created new life in Mary. Now we're getting to the end. What Luke says about Jesus. Well, first of all, Luke says that, or Luke, no, Gabriel, in this case, that he will be the son of Mary. She was greatly troubled and tried to discern the sort of greeting that this might be. And the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. That speaks about Jesus' human nature. Jesus is God, 100% God, 100% divine. But he's also planted in the womb of a woman, Mary. And therefore, he is also 100% man. He was, he didn't come, remember that when 
we're going through the book of John, one of the questions or people or challenges that people face regarding Jesus is that they were saying, we know where he's coming from. We know that he is the son of Joseph and Mary, and they were thinking that the Messiah would simply appear. But God, the son, just didn't come down from heaven and appear, but he went into Mary's womb. He was born of a woman. He was 100% man in order to save people like you and I. In order to go to the cross and pay the penalty that you and I deserve in order to provide for us salvation. Also, we learn from the test that Jesus' name will be called Jesus. That the Son of God's name will be called Jesus. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Well, it is important, or it was very important at that time, that the father of the son will give the name to the son. That was probably one of the questions that people have when they were going to Zechariah regarding John. And that that name will have a connection with the father, with a name that was in the line of the father. Well, Joseph didn't name Jesus because Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus. God the Father named Jesus, and the name had great connection with the Father because Jesus means God saves, or the Lord is salvation. And by calling Jesus God saves or the Lord is salvation, it doesn't only describe Jesus as the Son of God the Father, but also is describing in his name his mission. His mission is that God will be the Messiah coming to save. Israel was expecting for a Messiah, a anointed one, a king like will be like David, but they were not expecting that that Messiah will be God himself becoming a man. His name is Jesus. Also, we learned from the test that he will be great. I don't know if you are familiar with this internet term, the GOAT. The GOAT, the greatest of all time. If you go to, I'm, I, little by little, I'm introducing some soccer in your mind, so one day you will like soccer as much as I like soccer. There are some discussions in soccer circles, football, uh, about who is the greatest of all times. And it's funny. You, you, you'll find it funny that you go and turn one of these discussions of people uh, trying to discern. They are trying to discern. Is it Ronaldo or is it Messi? Who is the greatest of all times? And they get actually upset with each other, talking like they are talking a prof- about a profound thing. But think for a moment what they are describing as the greatest of all time. Somebody who kicks the ball back and forth for 90 minutes. That's all. Of course, there is more to that. He kicks the ball well. And he does some good passes and scores good goals, etc. But it's nothing more than that. It's just playing with a ball for 90 minutes. Think about Jesus. 
He created everything that exists. Everything was created by Jesus. He, God, himself emptied himself and took the form of a servant and came and died on the cross for our salvation. Came back from the dead the third day and he went up to heaven and he seated at the right hand of God the Father where he reigns over all who is the greatest of all times. Knowing the history of the planet Earth, but in eternity, there is only one. It's God. It's Jesus. When the angel said these words to Mary, he will be great. This is a word that is unqualified. What is the difference between this announcement to what he said to Zechariah about John? Is that he will be great. Before the Lord. The Lord is the one who sees John and says he is great. But Jesus is great, period. There is nothing that qualifies his greatness. Just that, I could finish the sermon here and we should worship, right? But there is still more here for us to see. He will be called the Song of the Most High. And as the son of the Most High, he is no one of the sons of the Most High. He is the son of the Most High. He is God. As God the Son, he is God. He is divine. He's a divine he has a divine nature. You and I can be sons of God, adopted sons of God, but we are still creatures. That had a beginning, but Jesus is eternal. Forever, the eternal Son of the Most High. Also, we learn that the Lord will give him the throne of his father David. That he will inherit that. That's why he is the Messiah, the anointed one. The fulfillment of the promise. That there will be a king. But Israel thought that the king would be somebody who would deliver them from the oppression of the Roman Empire. But that king was coming to deliver the world from the oppression of sin. That's the king we have. Here is one important thing. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his house, of, or of his kingdom, there will be no end. One of the things that we are grateful here in America is that we can have elections every four years, Right? Because we can get another person after four years of being tired of the same person. And then we get the other person, and after four years, likely we are tired of that person. But we have that option. And I remember, yeah, we had that option back in Colombia. People look forward to every four years get rid of the president. And there is no re-election there, so it's better, in a sense, that... You can get rid of him and then move the person that you want there. The problem is, or I won't say the problem, the reason why we value that as we value it is because we know that the person that is going to go to exercise this important office is a sinner. We know that eventually that person will be 
addicted to power and will do things that are not good for his people. And that's why we want another person to make sure that nobody's there forever. But Jesus is perfect. We don't want re-elections with Jesus. Jesus is the king forever and we'll be happy. We will be happy without fear forever. For the simple reason that his rule is just forever. You have that peace. Know that one day he will be the king. Is that right now he is the king. Doesn't matter who is the king here on earth. Jesus is the king today forever. And the last thing is that he will be called holy, set apart, pure, just. The son of God. The son of God. What was Gabriel's mission? Gabriel's mission was to announce to Mary the coming of Jesus Christ. But as he announced this to Mary, he's also announcing to us that that happened. That Jesus came. That Jesus fulfilled the promises of the Old Testament. That Jesus is Jesus. God saves. That Jesus is great. Nobody's greater than Jesus. That he is the son of the Most High. That his kingdom will have no end. And that's why we come together to worship on the Lord's Day. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this amazing work of redeeming us. That you empty yourself. That you took the form of a servant. That you dwell among your people. That you went to the cross to pay our debt. That you grant us eternal life. That we have found favor in you. That is not because we deserve to be called your people, but it's because of your grace. We thank you that we come to Christmas and we, we can know the meaning of this time. That we remember that you came to establish your kingdom forever. We praise your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.